Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Gestalt Garden. I'm your horticulturist host, Felder Rushing. For the next hour or so, we're going to be talking about gardening. My host is an awesome Java Chapman. And uh, I know it's supposed to rain this weekend, but I think we're going to have a great hour or so just talking about what you can do. So if you're indoors, try to get outside while you can. If you're outdoors, finish it up and wrap it on up. But at any rate, we're going to be talking about gardening. If you get a chance, sit back, relax. We don't care who you are, how much you know or don't know, or even what you're wearing. Give us a call. We're going to take a real quick break. And me and Java are going to bring this garden party to life right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. So if there's something on your mind you want to yak about, We'll be glad to do that. There's a few things going on right now that I'd like to bring your attention to and a couple of emails to share and some cheesy music, but it's a live program, folks, so if you've got some things you want to talk about saved up from the past couple of weeks because we were on a holiday break last week, if there's some things you want to chat about, give me a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I think that's pretty easy to, to remember. MPB stands for Mississippi. Mississippi Public broadcasting. Let's start off right off the bat, though, going down to Natchez and talk with Francis. Good morning, Francis. How are you? Good morning, Felta. Thank you for having me. You uh, bet. I What's got up? Several questions that I like to run by you real quick. Uh, okay. Leaves on my Cape Justin. Some people call them gardenias, and azaleas right. turning yellow. Okay, uh-huh. one azalea bush is is wilting. It's coming from the same bush, but it's one half is wilting, the other half is uh, healthy and green. Could my neighbor's dog be urinating on the, on the bad half, getting the wilting? And the main well, question that I got is my wild plum tree. Uh, it seems to be some kind of mold, a black mold on the tree is loaded, but uh, yeah. some kind of mold on the tree. What can be done? Are the plums okay or what? Okay, let me let me ask let me ask a couple of questions first. And by the way, need to turn your turn your radio down just a little bit. Okay, it's um, it's, it's all it's down. Okay, I just got a little bit of an echo here. Uh, anyway, if uh, is that black stuff? Is it on the leaves, or is it like knots growing on the stems? Well, it's not on the leaves really, but it's mainly on the plums. On the plums themselves? Yeah. Okay. Uh, have you tried to rub it off? Uh, I, I like to make jelly, and uh, I, I wash the you know the plums before you know I, I uh, start right. the jelly. But some of that stuff just doesn't come off. <laughs> Okay, well, the reason I'm asking, because there is a real common disease on plums, but usually gets on the trees. It's called black knot, and that's on the twigs. But if the stuff that's on the plum itself, if you can rub it off with your thumb, you know, and get down to the skin beneath it, then that's just a mold that's growing on the drippings of insects. Insects drip, suck sap out of trees, and their drippings have got dissolved plant sugar, and this black mold grows on that. Uh, sometimes you can see it on gardenias, or maybe crepe myrtles. You know how sometimes trees seem to be crying, weeping a little bit, dripping stuff? 
Yes. That's just bug do. That's just bug do. Aphids and things like that, and they're pretty common on aphids. You know, if you can rub it off the plums, it's just that that uh, what they call a honeydew. It's a pretty harmless mold, and if you just you know wash it off and rub it off, they're perfectly safe. Okay. Now, but what now, about now let's get. Okay, uh, the, the two things uh, on on the Cape jasmine, which is by the way, it's a common name for 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 gardenia. They're both the same plant. Uh, just one gardenia is Latin for Cape jasmine, basically. Um, anyway, it's normal for the older leaves to turn bright yellow as they get ready to shed. You don't notice it on a lot of plants, but on gardenias, typically the older leaves, when they get ready to shed, they turn bright yellow. So if it's not, as long as the new growth looks okay and it's an older big leaf doing that. That's just normal, so I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. Um, but on the azalea, uh, yeah, dogs, dogs can, can pee plants to death, but that's, but that's not likely. Are these big plants, you say about half of it is dying? Uh, well, it's one bush in particular, uh, and it's, uh, I, I transplanted it. Uh, it's about 15 years old, and yeah. uh, one half, I noticed my dog, uh, uh, my neighbor's dog, he, he comes and cocks his leg up on half of it. Yeah. And, but the well, you know, the dark green doing good. Well, a, a couple of things. You know, when what happens with dog urine, it's got a lot of, uh, of urea, which is type of nitrogen, and it can actually burn the foliage, but usually only right where the dog goes. It has to be a big dog. Uh, but what I would do is I would follow the plant where it's brown and dead looking back to where it starts growing. And you might find that further down the bark is split or something like that. It's not unusual for old azaleas to part of them, the whole plant, just die in the summertime. This is actually kind of common because it gets so big. And if we have trouble with, with rain too much or too little the summer before it can weaken plants. And the next year when they put a whole bunch of growth on them, they just can barely hang in there and then turns hot and dry and just part of it gives up the ghost. So I just check the stems, scratch on the bark further down. If it's not bright green right up under the bark, that part of the plant is dying, and all you, all you can do is just cut it out. This has been happening in Natchez for 170 years. Just when parts of azaleas die, you just cut it out. Appreciate it. Okay, good luck on it. Thank hey, you. appreciate your call too, Francis. Right. Thank you. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of plants this time of year turn just suddenly brown. A lot of times it's boxwoods, uh, Japanese hollies are notorious about it, uh, a handful of other plants that have a fairly weak root system. And if they stay moist but not too wet, they'll grow great. But if they stay really dry or if they stay really wet, either of those cause root damage that won't show up until the next year when they put on a bunch of growth and it's more than they can handle First stress that comes along, usually middle of the summer, they just pop right out. Fairly common on some plants. So anyway, let's slide uh, down to the Gulf Coast and talk to, is this Hosey? Yes. Howdy, you getting any rain yet? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> Hunker down. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I have this orange tree in my backyard. It's about uh -huh. 20 foot tall. And yep. And it grew, grew, it grew there for about ten years. Then it uh -huh. started making um oranges. It made yeah. a lot. And the next year, it um, it um, it made very few oranges. And yeah. Next year it made very few oranges. And right. Uh, 
make no oranges. And, right. And then, well, now in order so, to make oranges up on top of the tree, what yeah. I want to do, do is see if I can cut the top out of that tree and let it get big and wide. And, and is this the time you to cut to trim the tree? Yeah, those those are good questions. And typically, and this is what people who grow oranges for a living, the commercial growers, they cut them every year to keep them kind of small and open so they can pick the top. Matter of fact, you can hold a stick up above your head, and that's taller than most of the orange trees in commercial field. You know, they don't let them get too big. And it's normal for them to cut out some of the cluttered branches, some of the stuff that's too tall, and leave some of it unpruned. So you can prune out some of the tall stuff and then leave some of the other stuff unpruned. And uh, I think that'd be a better approach. Uh, keep in mind, when you're making these cuts, though, uh, Jose, don't leave any kind of stubs. Whatever you cut off, whether it's a limb or a branch, whatever, cut it right where it starts to grow off of something else. In other words, like it was never there. And if you want to go in and thin some of it out, you can do it now. It's pretty hot out there this time of year, but uh, you can see what you're doing better in the wintertime. But anytime you get around to it, if you just thin out, oh, maybe a fourth or so of the, the tall or the cluttered stuff, the energy that will go to what you cut off will go to what's left, so it'll invigorate the plant. So I think that's a pretty good idea. And also keep in mind, oranges often lose their fruit on the coast because of late frost or bad weather or not enough bees and stuff like that. So it's always going to be a gamble. So anyway, good luck on it. Appreciate your call, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Stay dry. Okie dokie, folks, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I know a lot of people are having uh, questions about their lawns and stuff. There's not much you can do this time of year except raise your mower. Raise your mower in the summertime. That helps your lawn more than anything else you can do. Uh, there's a few other things we can talk about. We're going to come back from this little break, and uh, I want to play just a short snippet of a tune that was sent in to me by a listener named Erica Pierce. Erica, real faithful listener. She always sends in some good questions. She sent a, a tune I think it would be appropriate for the kind of weather we're having right now. And after that, we're going to come back with more calls here live on MPB. Me and Java Chapman and all the other folks in MPB love this garden party. So stick with us, folks. We'll be back with more of your live phone calls right after this. saucy fellow robbing in the rain mind your socks of yellow running in the garden on your nimble feet digging for your dinner with your long strong beak robbing in the rain you don't mind the weather showers always make you gay but the worms are wishing you would stay at home robbing on a rainy day Robin on a rainy day, don't get your feet wet. Robin on a rainy day. All righty, hope you enjoyed that. That was a cheesy tune suggestion sent in 
uh, by a listener named Erica Pierce. We appreciate that. Uh, hey, if you want to give us a call, the lines are open. It's toll free. It's called one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. I love to talk about stuff. There's a couple of things you can be doing this time of year if you want to. If you've got kids or if you've got school classrooms or something like that, there's a couple of plants that are really, really easy to root in water right now. Gardenias and rosemary. Short cuttings, four or five inches long, strip off all but just the, the leaves on the end, and they will root within three weeks in water. It's an easy, easy trick for kids and for grown-ups, too. Hey, let's slide over to Flowood and talk with Anna. Good morning, lady. How are you? Oh, yes. Hi. Howdy. Surprise. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. Oh, um, <laughs> what, what can I plant in July or just now or August for vegetables? Uh, what can you? Oh, there's all sorts of stuff. It's a little early to plant fall stuff like, you know, collars and cabbage and all like that. But we have, uh, you have almost a month where you can still plant peppers and tomatoes and, you know, the summertime stuff, squash, eggplants, all those things. They actually grow really well in hot weather. And we've got plenty of time for them to make fruit before fall. It's getting kind of late to find pepper plants and, and things like that at garden centers. But tomatoes, the pear, all that stuff could be planted right now, whether it's in the dirt or in containers. I will mention this, though, Anna. If you're putting stuff in dirt, be sure to work it up really good and then mulch the top of the ground with some bark to keep it from the, the, the dirt from overheating. And they'll do fine. Do I have to buy a mulch or anything I can just use around my yard? Oh, any, any kind of, any, anything to cover the, the ground up. You can use, you know, broken beer bottles if you want to. The main thing is just cover the ground up so the sun doesn't shine directly on it. That'll keep it cool and moist. And, and when you water, water really, really well and then let plants go a long time before you soak them again. Put the water down deep and let the top dry out so roots will grow good and deep and they'll produce a whole lot better. Okay. Well, I I did plant a couple of pumpkins a couple of weeks ago. You think uh -huh. you're going to make it? Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. A lot of times Halloween pumpkins are usually planted right around the Fourth of July, so that they harvest just a, so they're just about ready, uh, you know, be, for for Halloween. So I think you did well on that. But again, put some leaves or pull some grass clippings or anything to put on the ground right around the base of the plants to keep the keep it from overheating and drying out too much. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, appreciate your call, Anna. If you need some more uh, information about that, either call back or shoot me an email, okay? All right, thank you. All righty, and by the way, folks, our email is garden at mpbonline.org. I think I'm caught up on my calls. You know, I'm, I've been scattered a whole lot because I've been traveling a lot, but uh, if I haven't, let me know because I'll catch right back up with you. Meanwhile, let's slide up to North Mississippi to Fulton. Hey, Danny, how are you? Love the show. Good. Appreciate you being part of it. What's going on? Hey, my purple hole peas. Some of them have like a fuzzy stuff on them. And then when you go to try to pick them, it's kind of yucky, slimy. slimy. You know what? Yeah, slimy. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a, it's a, I, don't even, I don't even remember if it's a bacteria or a fungus, but it's almost always just weather related. This, you know, if the plants are real thick and lush and not good air circulation, they'll get more of that. It's just a slimy disease. And not much you can spray for it. So, you know, the main thing is if your plants have got too many leaves because they've got really good lush, not good air circulation, more likely to develop that. Usually it's a temporary uh, thing, though. Oh, okay. oh, they feel, I mean, I can just, I just feel it myself. It's just a nasty feeling. Oh, okay. 
Hey, um, if I if I kept some of the seeds from this year, can I dry them out and plant them next year? Uh, yeah, as long as they're not some kind of hybrid. You know, a lot of times hybrids, uh, you know, won't won't come true. I mean, it'll grow something. But if it's one of the older varieties, what they call an open pollinated variety, there's no yeah. problem doing that at all. None at all. Yeah, they said it was the I, old the old style purple hall. So I guess. Per, yeah, they they come true to see. Uh, it'd be good to to you know. On one hand, letting them dry on the on the vine, you know, you need to let them mature on the vine. Don't pick them, you know, while they're still green. They won't mature. You've got to let them dry on the vine. On one hand, that's a good idea. On the other hand, it'll keep that vine from producing more. So you, what you might want to just every now and then select a plant and let just that one make uh, uh, seeds to dry while you keep picking off the others. Oh, I see. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. Otherwise, if you wait till towards the end of the season, you're more likely to get insects and diseases and seeds like that. So, you know, if you could collect some of the, the seeds early on, just every now and then choose a plant and let its peas dry on the vine and then keep picking the rest of them. Yeah, I couldn't pick them even after they done turned good and purple and then let them dry. No, well, you, you could, but they, they reach a certain stage where, you know, they, they, they need to, they need to, to, to mature inside. The, I, don't, I don't know how you can tell that, you know, yeah. but it'd be better to leave some to turn, you know, dry. That'd be better, at least yeah. on some of the vines. Right, I understand. Also, you know how a lot of vegetables are GMO to nowadays, you know, like corn and everything? Yep. If, if I was to replant again and again and again from the same from the same year, you know, like uh, next year, the following year, like, would, would that stuff grow out of it? What a good question, and I don't know. What a great question. Uh, I, I don't, you know, my gut instinct is, no, they won't, because they were genetically modified to begin with, uh, but right. I don't, that's a good question. Never ever heard that one. But if you want to save seed, I would definitely just stick with some of the heirlooms. And if you want to use the, the GMOs because of their, you know, they got good characteristics, you know, for your main crop, that'd be fine. But yeah. uh, it's always good to grow a few of each is what I'm saying. Yeah, I heard corn is like 99% GMO. I don't know how true that is. So. Well, what, what they're talking about, the commercially grown stuff. Now, a lot of the old varieties that you get, you know, like Silver King and stuff like that, you know, that's not GMO. You know, the, these, the new ones have been bred. They've got different names. So as long as you okay. stick with some of the heirlooms, it's not a problem. It's a good question, though, if you, and if you think about it, shoot me an email um, because I want to find out for me, and I'll be glad to share what I find out with you. Bye, man. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so all righty, folks, we're talking about gardening. If you've got some gardening questions, some comments, want to share some things, ask some things, uh, question some things, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Want to shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now slide back down to central Mississippi. How are you, John? Is it raining yet in Madison? Uh, I'm not down there yet. I'm on the way back. Oh, oh, <laughs> Listen, okay, Head, heading towards it. Yeah. Listen, I backed over my apple tree uh, and I and it broke, but it didn't break clean off. Um, and so I propped it back up and wrapped it in duct tape. I think yeah. I think it broke above. I don't know if they're grafted. It, I, I can't really see the graft, but I guess my question is, should I just leave it a foot high and hope for the best? Or should I leave the duct tape on it or should I just plan on digging it up and buying a new one? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. How big was the plant? How long had it been in the ground? 
Oh, it's a couple of years. It's a it's a replacement. Uh, it's a, it's yeah. only about five feet tall. Uh, yeah, it's it's young enough, I think, where you could prune it back. You know, and uh, almost all of these are grafted. They're usually grafted within a few inches of the ground. So if you could prune it back a couple of feet, it, did it break off you know, right at the ground or what? Oh, it was about a foot high. Yeah, well, i tell you what I did. I'll just go, I, I, it's rare that a grafter could be a foot off the ground. I would cut it off right there. But uh, get you some, uh, you know, uh, some toilet paper roll, uh, cardboard or something, and wrap the stem with it so the sun doesn't shine on it and scald it. Until it grows new leaves on it, That's, that stem actually has thin bark and you can get sun scalded. I just cut it off and see what happens. Okay, okay. It's going to be a gamble, but it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, pretty hard tree. I didn't want to just dig it up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get it. Well, you know, and, and really, if you get you another one, you ought to cut it off about three feet high anyway. I, I take pictures all over the world in, in home fruit and commercial fruit orchards, and you're not going to find a single one anywhere where the trees wasn't cut off about two, maybe three feet tall the day it was put in the ground. They're all like that. And so, you know, if you didn't prune yours when it set it out, this might be a good time to do it. Well, I bet they don't prune them with a trailer. No, I've seen I've seen crate myrtles prune with drunk drivers and pickup trucks, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, okay. Good luck on them, man. Appreciate right, it. <laughs> okay, uh, we got us a cheesy tune coming up in just a few minutes, folks. But let's slide up to the Delta. Hey, Bill, what's going on in Lafleur County in Greenwood? Well, we're doing all right, waiting for the hurricane. I really hope it's coming goes past us. I don't know. Well. Yeah, well, you know, and the farmers might be able to use rain. I can, you know, it wouldn't stop raining, and now, you know, they could probably use a little rain. So who knows? Yeah, well, you know, Greenwood has had a lot of rain, and over in Indianola and um, uh-huh. other areas, they, they haven't had hardly any rain. But yeah, uh, well. I got, I got two questions. I got a comment about your program, and then I've got a, a question about containers. I'm having the worst time trying to grow anything in containers. I even went to Walmart and they bought me a, a big tomato, fully grown, and it's in a container. It's got a little trellis. And, you know, I put them on my front porch, and they get a lot of heavy morning sun. And they were just doing good. And all of a sudden, they act like it needs water. I give it some water, then it acts like it's too much water. Then it starts to tie off on me. I yeah, have yeah. Containers. What is it about me? I don't know. Well, you know, tomatoes are 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 highly. They're, they're, there's a lot of diseases that cause them the whole plant just to collapse and wilt. Sometimes all at once. Sometimes part at a time. But there's all sorts of diseases, and they're literally floating around the air like coal germs. So unless you got, you know, one of those VFN hybrids that are resistant to those kind of things, it could just be that it stayed a little too wet one time or a little too dry one time and it overwhelmed the roots and the top just can't keep up. So try this, though. Uh, Go ahead and snip out some of the branches. This is called, uh, well, you know, people call it pruning. Just snip out uh, one or two of the main branches, a few of the small. In other words, take some of the workload off the roots and then just try not to keep it too wet. Let's see what happens. But uh, yeah. too much fertilizer, too much rain, they're worse than none, not enough. Yeah, okay, I'll try that. i got to come in about your program. I really okay. love it that uh, instead of having the repeat on Saturday, 
maybe what you could do would just go live for two hours on Friday. Uh, <laughs> live two hours on Saturday. Because you really need two hours, you know, two hours to get it. <laughs> to get it done. Well, you know, I, I could do three hours. You know, I'm 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 retired extension. I can talk for forty five minutes about a pencil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but no, we 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 gotta get out. Of the, we gotta make room for some of these other folks. Some some people listen to NPB. They don't give a toss about gardening. They want to hear about the other stuff. So we gotta, you know, just take turns is all. But anyway, I appreciate that. I used to do a yeah. two hour program live on Saturdays and it killed me and bored everybody else. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I enjoy your show, yeah. Felder. Have a good time. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Hey, good luck with them maters. Bye now. Okay, I think we got time to uh, to talk to Scott in Madison before we do our cheesy tune. What's up, Scott? Hey, Felder, how are you today? Fine, fine. What's going on? I got a quick question. Um, I have some petunias in my window boxes. I put like twelve or thirteen little plugs in, and one of them, the leaves started to change color, one or two. And I took it to a garden center, and they told me that they have a virus. <laughs> and, okay, I don't know. Whatever. That sounds like they're wrong. <laughs> well, I haven't heard of that. Uh, I, I tell you what. Let, let, first of all, that's a lot of petunias for a window box. You know, you put them about a foot or so apart. That's still crowding them. So, hmm. uh, also, if they stay a little wet or a little dry, and a little dry is real, happens real fast in window boxes, that can show up. A week or more later, two weeks later, uh, in in the leaves. Uh, but third of all, most most of the petunias, with a few exceptions, really hate our hot hot weather. There's one called purple wave, and I think the pink wave, the one the, the one that have the word wave in them, they'll take heat a lot. But a lot of the petunias, pretty as they are, they just hate it in the summertime, and they peter out if they survive at all. They they look terrible. So it could just be be uh, you know crowded, hot wet you know leaning up again you know hanging down by a radiated heat from the wall and the hot temperatures and the fact that petunias are native to the Andean mountain they just really don't like hot wet it could just be that and they're struggling because of the the the, the in, environment, but I doubt it's a virus. Okay, well next year I guess I'll plant a few left. Well, yeah, and, and keep in mind, the one called Purple Wave, it is astounding, and it's fragrant, too. It smells like those old-fashioned kind, but there's a for, for a window box, you really want something that's going to take a lot of radiated heat and uh, that can tolerate staying dry, and there's a, a good handful of plants that are un- unbelievable in how much heat and drought they'll take that are as pretty, as, I, I think, as pretty as petunia. So put your one or two Purple Waves and then stick some other stuff in there, and if you want a list, Shoot me an email. I've I, I set out plants every spring that don't get any care at all the rest of the summer, and they do great. So, okay. anyway, good luck on that. Thank you, Bella. All right, appreciate it. Okie dokie, folks. Um, we're going to do a little bit of um, cheesy music. This is another tune sent in by a listener, and um, I think it's kind of good. It's about getting dirty. Or, or, or it even talks about getting muddy, which is really appropriate this time of year. So, hey, if you have some questions, some comments, some corrections, things like that, give us a call or shoot us an email. We're going to take a real quick break and listen to some music. I've got an email I'm going to answer about wild blue or wild muscadines. And we'll be back with more of Gestalt Gardener, me and Java. 
and uh, Michelle McAdoo and all the other folks at MPB. We'll be right back with more of your gardening questions here at this garden party we call the Gestalt Gardener. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. And uh, before we go to the next callers, I have a big favor to any of you who remember Dr. Dirt. Uh, I got a contract to, uh, to do a book about me and dirt and folks who garden like us uh, from our own uh, University Press of Mississippi. And uh, I got a few more weeks of wrapping stuff up. If you've got an anecdote, a good story about dirt or visiting his garden or anything along those lines, shoot it to me as soon as you can. Garden at mpbonline.org. Um, hey, let's go. Let's talk with Jerry and Laurie. I'm not sure where y'all are from. Where are you from? Hello? Jerry, Laurie. Oh, Jerry in, in Madison. Sorry. Jeannie in Madison. I got bifocals on. I'm not even pushing the button, Jeannie, and I'm still messing it up. What's going on, lady? Hi. I need some. Um, I need to know how to prune back some blueberry bushes that have become blueberry trees. They're very yeah. heavy bearers, but um, we neglected pruning them back, and I have to use a ladder to pick blueberries. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and, and by the way, this is the best time to do it. Um, there's there's two ways to prune blueberries. Uh, one is the hardest one. That's what you got to do now, and that's basically to go in and just cut out what you can't reach down to about waist high or so. Uh, that'll get rid of the tall stuff, but it has time to bush back out and be compact for next year. So so if you, as long as you get right on it, we usually recommend just as soon as you get through harvesting, cutting the tall stuff back to where it can branch back out. So that's the first thing. Second thing is in the springtime and the early summer and middle of the summer, any of the new growth is coming out, you know, that real kind of a light bluish green stuff. If you'll snip the tips off of it, instead of getting long and skinny with a few berries at the end next year, each one of those will bush out. So spring, summer, early summer, midsummer, snip the tips off the new growth. And then when you get through picking, just cut the tall stuff you can't reach out and let it reproduce itself. But you need okay. to get right on it, though. Okay. Well, well, I was confused because I had read one time that you're supposedly only supposed to cut down like a third of the branches at a time because that only bears on old growth. That's not true? No. No, no. They're just like azaleas. What grows from, from here on toward the end of the summer, it's, gonna, it's got to have time to, to mature in time to set flower buds before fall. They bloom in the okay. spring, what grew the, the late summer and fall before. That's the reason you need to go and get on it so the new growth has time to bush out, mature, and set buds before fall. Okay, great. All right. And by the way, that's the truth. Good. That, that's easier <laughs> That's easier to do. So. <laughs> Good luck, uh, honey. I appreciate right. your call, Jerry. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, when I told her that was the truth, uh, I did study fruit science at Mississippi State University. I was raised in an orchard and a grove. We had pawpaws and mayhaws, and we had jujubes and muscadines and blueberries and uh, oriental persimmons and peaches. and pl- We had all pear, all of that stuff, so pecans. I was raised with all that. Um, and so, you know, I don't care what people say. Here's the way my great-grandmama, my granddad, my dad, and I do it. And it works. Anyway, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just real bottom line about stuff. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, let me share a, a, an email I just answered, uh, if I can put my fingers on it. Uh, anyway, yeah, here it is. Just got it in, and it's about, oh, come on, my Computer's real slow. Here we go. Do you have any tips on transplanting wild muscadines to the yard? Um, this person said, uh, Trey said, I've tried about 10 vines this spring, and even after doctoring the soil to make it more acidic, only one survived. Uh, here's the deal. And first of all, I, I, I applaud anybody experimenting, trying new stuff, and even if they know it's not going to work, giving it a try anyway. I celebrate that spirit. But in general, Wild muscadines are separate male and female. Only one will produce berries, the other produces just pollen. you got to have them both. And you can't tell a male from a female apart until they get mature enough to start flowering. And a seedling might take four, five, six years before it's mature enough. So you, it's going to be a gamble moving wild muscadines. And if you have one that's big enough to produce fruit, uh, it's too big to, to, to move. So you need to cut it back to, oh, a foot or two feet or so tall move that in the winter, and it'll sprout back out in the spring. So if it's a big vine, cut it back, move it in the winter. If it's a little vine, ain't no telling whether it's male or female, and it's just going to be a gamble. It's going to take you a few years to find out. So I'd recommend transplanting a few of those, 
but go ahead and put one or two or three of these store-bought varieties that we know will produce well and that pollinate themselves. And get this, if you've got... Uh, that pollinate themselves and any others that are nearby. So things like Carlos, Noble, there's a whole bunch of what they call self-fertile varieties that produce a lot of fruit in a small space. I stick one or two of those out there and then experiment with the native ones. Anyway, that's what I that's what I said. Uh, now let's go to is this Laura? Wait, we just talked to Lori and Madison, didn't we? No. <laughs> Lori, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I'm just, I'm having bifocal problems. I, I mean, oh, wait a second. Hang on a second. I just solved the problem. I don't have my bifocal. I have my, my computer glasses on. That's the reason I can't see this. Now I got my bifocals on and I can see. <laughs> what? I had the wrong glasses on, Lori. What's up? <laughs> I was wondering about sweet potatoes and if it was too late in the year to plant them and where to find them. Uh, both those, those are both real good questions. Um, some of the old garden centers that cater to gardeners, I'm thinking places like Hutto's or places like that, they may still have some. You can also get some from the farmer's market, plant them in some wet sand, they'll sprout out and you can plant those sprouts. So you can grow your own sprouts. Uh, but it takes about three months, sometimes four months, from when you plant them to when they are ready to harvest, and I think you've got enough time. So if you can find some slips, go ahead and plant them as soon as you can, and they should do perfectly fine. Might not have enough time to sprout some from, from sweet potatoes and them still grow. So anyway, good luck on it, but you still have time if you can get them. Thank you. Oh, let me ask you this. Have you planted them before? Uh, no. Okay, here's the deal. All it takes is a little piece of vine stuck, but stick it kind of deep in the ground. It's going to wilt right at first. Don't overwater it, but cover the ground with some leaves or something to keep the dirt cool and moist. And then don't give them a lot of fertilizer. They make their own. If you fertilize, you get all vines and no sweet potatoes. So go ahead and put them in the ground as soon as you can. Keep them, give them a good soaking every now and then, but don't keep them too wet or too much fertilizer. Can you eat the Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a big part of, they may not be to everybody's taste, but not everybody likes collards or mustard, but they're perfectly edible. All right. All righty. I appreciate your call. Okay, now let's go to Tremont. Hey, Joey, I've been to Tremont. You're out in the boondocks. Is it raining yet? Uh, no, sir, but it sure looks like it's fixing to. I think it's about to. You can count on that. Set, go ahead and set your water buckets out. You're going to catch plenty of it this weekend. Got them out already. What, what you got going on? Uh, I have a bunch of holly trees, small ones, 10 to 15 inches tall, growing at the edge of the woods around the place. And yeah. I transplant them to the side yard. Yeah. Uh, when's the proper time to do that for this uh, iceboxy climate? Uh, be best time is going to oh, wait, Tremont, you're up in North Mississippi. I don't know why I was thinking Very South Mississippi. Very northeast corner. I forgot. That's, I, I went through there this past spring. I was thinking that something like that on the coast. Uh, the best time is going to be in the winter when they're, not, when they're not growing. There's no stress on them. That's the best time. But it's a whole lot better, Joey, if you can go ahead and dig the holes where you're going to go ahead of time 
and add just a little stuff to it and then cover up with leaves or bark or something so that the dirt will be what they call mellow. So then all you got to do, open up that hole, throw these plants in them, cover them back up and walk away. So wintertime, I would go in and dig the holes ahead of time, even if it's, you know, just a couple of months ahead of time. And let me throw this out, Joey. Big plants, when you move them, you leave most of their roots behind. You know, if you stick your arms straight out, wiggle your fingers, you ain't, you're only taking the shoulders and, and, and elbows with you. So it's a good idea to either cut the plants back or thin them out. Cut off a whole bunch of the branches or limbs so that they not don't have too much top next year for their roots. So go ahead and either cut them back or thin them out when you, as soon as you transplant them. Even though these are... I think the tallest one might be 12 inches. Oh, no, 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 no. no. They, they, those won't even miss a lick. They won't even, I thought you were talking about big things. No, no, those little, they, they, won't, they won't miss a lick. <laughs> no, they won't miss a lick. I still go, you know, if you know where the holes are going to be, go and dig you some holes and throw you some tomato plants in them for the rest of this year. Get, you know, right. you might as well get double duty out of all that digging. That's right. Uh, I think I heard you some time ago tell somebody about these uh, cedar trees, uh, red cedar, eastern red cedar. Right. That a proper time to transplant them to where you want them is uh, now in high summer. Is that that was, that was that that I would never have said that because that ain't true. Well, I, I just asked because my memory's yeah. faulty. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Best, best, best time to move stuff is when they're not growing, and that's gonna be in the winter time, late fall or winter time. That's the best time, and that's the oh. easiest on you. Not gonna be snakes out there, and you're not gonna be able to see the poison ivy. So both of them same time, uh, generally the holidays. Yeah, and yeah, season. yeah. If you're gonna dig a plant up, move it. I'd do it in the late fall after we start seeing some good fall colors on the trees, or in the winter time. That's the best oh, time. Right. Well, thank you, sir, for your information. Okay, stay dry this weekend, Joe. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. Okay, folks, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Going to take a little bit of a breather. By the way, I had a, a, an email from Evelyn said her plum tree only has two or three plums at a time. And that's because she only has one type of plum. Plums and peaches, most plums and peaches need two different varieties for cross-pollination. There's a few ex- few exceptions, but in general, two or more different varieties for cross-pollination, that's the key. We'll be right back with more of Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. I can't believe I had the wrong glasses on. I wear bifocals anyway since I was 21, but I got these newfangled computer glasses for when I'm sitting in the screen, and, and they are worth it. You try to walk up some stairs with those things on. Uh, before we go to this next call, let me throw this out. You know the myth about 
how potted plants can help with indoor air pollution. You've always heard plants clean the air and they get toxins out and all. Well, it's not true. Well, it is true, but only if you're in a closed little box because that's what the research has done. If you have a room with a door that's open, if you've got air conditioning or heating or there's a window open, there is no benefit that way, except they do attract a lot of particulate matter, particulate dust and airborne pollutants on their leaves. And so that's one way they can clean up. They're just like a big, big dust brooms. Anyway, this is a good weekend to take those plants, set them outside, it's not too sunny, and let the rainwater give them not only some fresh rainwater, which they love, but a good rinsing off, which will put some of those pollutants outside and give your plants a fresh start. Hey, let's go down to Mobile. John, I bet you're getting some rain, aren't you? Not right now, we're not. Headed your way. Hunker down. Well, thank you very much. What's up? I've got a quick observation and a question for you. Um, okay. I had a kumquat tree in the yard, and when we got the freeze oh, four or five years ago, uh, of course, didn't produce anything uh, any, anything at all the, that following spring and summer, and again the following year. So I ended up just cutting it all the way down and never saw a thing until uh, about Two or three weeks ago, I was out mowing the grass, and I came about where it was. I looked at it, and I said, it's coming back up. Yeah. After, after, it's coming back up, which surprised me to no end. Yeah. But we'll see how yeah. it does, because it's about uh, oh, 12, 14 inches right now. Right. But it's got big thorns, too, doesn't it? The, oh, Yeah. Uh, I used to live down in citrus country and, and learned real quick why they wear long shirts when they're when they're picking uh, oranges yeah. and grapefruit. Right, right. But my question has to do with my uh, tomatoes or lack thereof. Uh, I planted some some uh, different varieties of tomatoes, and I had some San Marzanos that were doing really good, giving me lots of tomatoes, and then the uh, stink bugs took them over. Oh yeah. Uh, so I yanked I yanked those out and I yanked another another one out and uh, the remaining uh, plants uh, I have not seen one flower on any of. Yeah. And they're they're about four feet high right now. Yeah, uh, that's my my educated and experienced guess is uh, when tomatoes when they're when they're pushed with water and fertilizer they're less likely to make flowers to begin with but when it gets really hot you know when i'm talking about the mid 90s uh if they form at all they they usually break off like they've been snipped off with scissors so hot weather high temperatures and also fertilizer and water can cause you to have all vine and no fruits usually they'll pick back up uh if you stop fertilizing so much uh they'll pick back up and when it starts cooling off in the fall but it's not unusual okay. for tomatoes to drop their flowers this time of year it's not unusual for those that are really big and lush to be, it's sort of like you give a kid a bunch of sugar right before bed and they can't go to sleep. Sort of the same thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I have so, not fertilized them, but we've had plenty of rain, that's for sure, over here. Yeah. I, I was, I, it, it, it's a good idea to give them a little fertilizer. You know, don't get me wrong, but if they're real, real lush, they're going to grow rather than make flowers. So that's sort of that. Okay. Hey, let me throw out one other thing. Keep your eye on that kumquat. And if it looks like when the leaves start to form the mature leaves, if they've got three leaflets instead of just the one leaf, you might have a rootstock coming back up. It's that what they call the wild lemon hardy orange, that little furry things about the size of a golf ball. 
most of those fruits uh, are grafted on, onto that rootstock, and when it comes back up, it's real thorny, but the leaves have got three leaflets, not just the one leaf. So if you see that, okay. then that ain't going to be ain't gonna be a kumquat. Okay. <laughs> good, all right. Good luck well, on it, man. Fortunately, my yeah. fat suma still survived it all and still doing well. So. There you go. There you go. Well, appreciate right. your call, Thanks, John. Felder. Hang in there. Stay, stay dry. Bye now. Okay, um, I think we've got time if you to squeeze another phone call if you want to get it in real quick. Uh, toll free eight seven seven MPB ring. I did get an interesting email from Jim Skipper in Clinton. He said, uh, "Hoping for an educated guess whether it's safe to eat or not." He said, "My landlord just sprayed my duplex down with a few gallons of bleach without me knowing it. Some of the plants look fine, but some are just not looking that great. I have tomatoes that look fine and ready to eat planted three feet in the duplex." So they would have got a lot of Clorox. They look fine, but should I throw them away or enjoy them? Here's the deal. Chlorine can burn the foliage of some plants, temporarily causing some problems. If the plants look okay, they are okay. Chlorine is not a poison per se. It's, um, you know, it can burn some stuff, but that's about it. So if they look okay, it's not a problem. If they don't look okay, uh, he, he said he had some other plants that, that were, weren't looking too good. You can go ahead and... and um, you know, and, and cut those back, and they should sprout back out and do perfectly fine. So as long as the plants aren't dead from that, that contact with the chlorine bleach, it's not going to be a, a health problem. It's really not, so I wouldn't worry about that at all. There's a lot of myths out there. I was discussing whether or not to put eggshells around plants. I've heard it all my life. I've recommended it, and, it just, and it's okay to do that, but it won't give them calcium. Eggshells are the wrong kind of calcium. They gotta be subjected to acidic soils or a little vinegar poured on them. But uh, anyway, we're not gonna get into all that. It's time to call it a morning. Gestalt Garden, a product of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is a laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Phone greeter has been Michelle McAdoo. I'll be happy to answer emails sent to garden at MPB Online. And I'll be back with you next week live to talk about your gardens. Meanwhile, it's a great weekend to stay indoors, or better yet, put the dog under the Schiffer Road and take some kids to a garden center farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.